When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why are the Cavaliers so bad on defense? Did Devin Booker deserve to get 70 points? Is there anything wrong with gunning for triple doubles? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Coach Dave, Dave Dufour, every Monday. We're always doing this, and we always record it on Sunday night uh, to, uh, to have it nice and ready and fresh for your commute on Monday morning. So, Dave, Sunday greetings to you all. Hey, how's it, how's it going, man? Good. I don't, when I say you all, I suppose I'm talking about you and all of your hairs on your head, I suppose. I don't know. There you go. Yeah, like all the couple that are left. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. You know, uh I got to watch a really, really fun Golden State-Memphis game tonight. Um, I actually didn't catch the Rockets-Thunder game earlier. Um, You know, Sunday, kind of family time, hanging out with my wife. And so, yeah, I missed that game. I'm hoping that you caught it. I did. I watched the the game, uh, at least the first, like, half, pretty, pretty, you know, focused on it. And, uh, you know, newsflash, the Rockets are a better team than the Thunder. (laughs) I mean... And Russ just didn't seem to have his usual swagger. I don't know if he didn't want to engage with Harden or something. I think he ended up having a huge – the numbers were there. But when I watched in the first half, um, it just didn't seem like the same kind of Russ as we normally would see. And, uh, and meanwhile, Harden was also not that engaged uh, shooting-wise. But, um, you know, they're just, they're just better even though they didn't have Ryan Anderson and um, it was a blowout. Sure. You know, I've been saying for a few weeks um, – I think Russ is tired. You know, when you're when you're putting out the sort of effort that he does every single night, and you and I have both been very, very outspoken about you can't you can't fault his effort and the fact that he comes to play every single night. You know, like those are two things. I can nitpick his game, and you know, we know that we both do, right? We can we can definitely nitpick because we both feel that with a guy of his of his talent, he can he can do things better, but. The thing that I can't nitpick is effort and showing up to play every single night. I just think he's tired. Um, you know, we already got a question in the Periscope chat. Is he going to do it? He's going to average a triple-double. I mean, that's going to happen. That that was obviously – I feel like that was a team goal for this season. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's incredible, you know, yeah. I, that's plain and simple. You know, we can talk about uncontested rebounds. We can talk about, you know, chasing numbers and stuff like that. He's still actually doing it. And their record this season, you know, they lost for the seventh time when he got a triple double. So they're twenty nine and seven when he gets a triple double. Chase those stats. If it means <laughs> right. that you're winning games, chase them. I don't care. Yeah, it's a really interesting kind of complicated argument as well. Uh, I know Sam Mamick and I talked about it too on the podcast from Thursday, which you definitely should check out if you haven't heard it yet. But um, 
the it, 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 you're right. The the record does stand for itself. It is impeccable when he gets the triple doubles. That said, I mean, it, it is worth. I got to study all the different teams he's doing it against, or maybe the ones he's not doing it against, because um, it could very well be against like the good teams that are playing really good defense and understand how to pick him up with a shadow before he gets going early, uh, versus other teams that are just really lackadaisical and really bad on defense. But it doesn't really matter, right? Everybody plays everybody. Those are all games in the schedule. Um, and, and it's been working for them the way it does. Now, it's almost a philosophy thing. If you think that the game is supposed to be a little bit more of a team thing where, you know, you're supposed to get the rebounds near you, um, then, then, then that's, that's another story. It's kind of aesthetics, I guess, at this point. And so I kind of, I'm not going to fault him for it. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think he's the MVP. Um, I, they haven't won enough games, and, and I'm not fooled by round numbers. Um, I think that, you know, I, I don't even know if James Harden is the MVP. As amazing as his season's been, um, if I had a vote, which I don't, uh, I'm voting Kawhi Leonard. I think that Kawhi is the only one of these guys that brings it on both ends of the court every single night. Um, you know, he's a guy that not only he'll, – he'll hit a go-ahead shot at one end, and then he'll pin – Right. Your layup attempt on the backboard on the other end, and I, I think that that kind of stuff matters. You know, he's he's a top seven offensive player by any metric you look at, and he's one of the two best defenders in the NBA. So I think Kawhi Leonard. I mean, they're going to win sixty something games. You know, like maybe sixty one, sixty two games. I think Kawhi Leonard's the MVP. You That's know, where it's, I am. It, it's a it's a funny argument, and it's it's not or not even like an argument. You know, it's a it's a really good case, and I lament that I really haven't done a really good in depth Kawhi offense video. I kind of wanted to do it when we went on a streak. We scored like thirty in a row, or at least thirty for I don't know how many like a bunch of games in a row. Um, but uh, you know, you, you're right, and it, it's a it's an argument that I've been making about Kawhi on the offensive end for a long time. And it got ridiculed for a long time on that. When I had seen enough evidence where this guy can isolate, he can score in a traditional, you know, fo- focus of a, you know, of the offense kind of way. Uh, and then, yeah, you throw in the defense. Uh, it, 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 then it brings up that whole thing I hate, the two-way player bullshit, which people use. I really do not like, do not like that term because it's supposed to be two-way for everybody. Um, you know, which also reminds me, you know, I, I, I was videoing a lot of uh, Russ highlights today. I was kind of curious to see what would happen if it was like all like highlights. You know, I had one where, you know, he helped one pass away way too far and they nailed, nailed the three on him. But whatever. Uh, you know, there must have been five or six just good, you know, good tweets. And, of course, there were still people who were arguing with me that, like, uh, I wasn't showing, like, some bad stuff on Harden. Like, that's the reaction. It's really interesting. The reaction to the Harden uh, video is that, um, or a reaction to the Russ video that's positive is, well, why aren't you showing the negative Harden stuff? The thing is, you know what, man? Harden doesn't do that much that's negative. He's a solid He's a solid defender. He's an at least league average defender. Um, he does a lot of really thing, uh, sneaky things that, that don't really appear like they're amazing. He's got really active hands. He's super stout. He's actually really great at getting his chest into a guy who's penetrating from the wing. Mm-hmm. And he's so big that, I mean, he, he keeps people out of the paint, you know. Um, so whereas Russ tends to gamble a little bit. And, you know, of course, we, we saw the, uh, in the uh, Golden State game where, you know, he basically was like, oh, where's Steph? You know, he, he a few times kind of just lost him. Yeah. And so, you know, those kind of breakdowns, again, I think that at this point they're going to – they're worse because I think Russ is a little tired. Um, but, yeah, Harden is just so good. And, you know, Matt Moore from CBS, he had a nice thread last night, late night, 
Um, talking about all the things that Harden does that are, it's just astounding. He's one of the best passers in the NBA. Yeah. And he's just really, really gifted. He sees the entire court. Um, he knows where every player is at all times. And, and it's just, that is one of those things. Like it's like him and LeBron that are doing that right now. And, and that's, that's elite elite company yeah it's a really great point because he controlled the game it was like Zinedine Zidane is that I don't know if you say his name Zinedine Zidane yeah when you don't watch you know I don't watch soccer that much but I remember when I watched back in the World Cup like whenever that was a long time ago now he was a guy that like wouldn't score but he controlled the entire game and even I could see that not having ever really watched soccer that much and uh, you, there's no doubt when you watch Harden what he can do when he scores. But like today was a great example where he, he just scans the floor in a way that makes him so much more dangerous. And I know that NBA coaches feel this way as well, where they he puts so much pressure on you. And I know that he's got shooters and there's like a, maybe a better roster than they, perhaps Russ has around him. But it's the fact that he can snap that ball across the court on a laser LeBron is one of the only other guys that can do that, uh, and that and that just makes it so much harder. So here his, here his team builds a big lead, and he doesn't even have to be aggressive scoring the ball at all in the first half, and the game's over. Yeah, well, and he's super unselfish. You know, um, it, it's it's part of the tough part about LeBron, right? Like LeBron is such a great passer, and he's so unselfish as a as a basketball player that you have to guard. You it's hard to to come and help on him, and then if you don't, he makes you pay for it. And you and I have talked about that, where you're probably better off just playing everyone straight up against LeBron. I think with Harden, it's even more difficult because Harden is so great at drawing fouls. You know, uh, A lot of people talk about he gets called uh, a foul call every time he's touched. Well, it's because he's smart. When he feels the hand check come, uh, he throws up a shot, Okay, and, and it's, a, it's a foul. Great quite, wait, great point, though, because it came up a few times today where uh, he went up into his shooting motion when the ball was in his right hand, and he wasn't even really squared up yet. And they gave it to him on one, and I, I actually said on Twitter, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like you got to have the ball in your shooting hand if you're going to get a shooting foul. It seems like that has to be part of the equation. But then later on when he did, they took a foul at midcourt, and he got it up, and it was clearly shooting, and they didn't give him the three free throws. Uh, it's a real mess. But what do you think about that? That when he gets around that first screen and your hand is anywhere near the cookie jar and he's just going up and going to draw that foul? So I think, think that's amazing. That? I think it's amazing awareness. And I think what you've got to do, I think you've got to, you know, and and we'll see this in the playoffs. I think you're going to see teams switching that screen much more. Um, you're going to have to do it and take the mismatch because you cannot let him live at the line like he has been. You know, if he's getting to the line 12 to 15 times a game in the playoffs. That's just free free points for them. And you know he's he's going to launch as soon as he feels that hand. He's, I mean, ultra aware of that. So I think you're going to see a lot more switching. Uh, their first-round opponent, is right. if the playoffs started today, they're going to be playing the Thunder. And, I mean, I think it's going to be a four-game sweep if they're playing the Thunder. Um, but I would expect them to just start switching. And you, you live with the mismatch, you know, if you've got a big on him and, yeah. and just – Hope it works out. Well, I, I think what you want to do is make him shoot as many threes as possible. Believe it or not, he's the kind of average three-point shooter out there. And, you know, he can get hot, and that could be a recipe for disaster as well. But I'd say, you know, give him half of a step and get mm-hmm. a hand up and play it yeah. that way. That's that's the probably the best way to do it. That way you're not causing any kind of extra dribble penetration and you're not getting in foul trouble. Uh, yeah, these guys are so good. This is like 
these guys are more skilled, I would say, than you know, than the '80s, like Celtics, those great teams, because of the three-point shot. In a way that this is—I used to say that in the back in the day, they wouldn't run too much offense because they were so good offensively. All you could do is hope you get a hand up and hope they miss. Well, with Harden, this is now truly hope you can keep him out of the lane, hope you get a hand up, and hope he misses because he's just too good. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I've been very, very adamant about this. I think the league today is the most talented it's ever been. Um, you know, there's how many guys are scoring over 20 points a game? It's it's a ton. Now, um, a lot of people will look at that and say, well, no, it's a watered down product. Well, and and certainly pace is a part of it, things like that. But I think it's just we have got more guys top to bottom that are skilled than ever before. Um, I've used the if you sent Brian Scalabrini back in time to the 60s or 70s, he'd be the greatest player of all time. Um, you know, like he's just the the game. The development is so much better. Strength yeah. and conditioning is so much better. Guys actually play basketball full time now. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, well, I used to day, say in high school, I'm like, I wish I could go back in time. I can kick Bob Cousy's ass. And the only only reason was I would go like through my legs twice, and he'd be like, "What the hell was that?" But you know, give him like a couple of weeks, he probably would kill me again. But but yeah, there's no question. The skill level is just a lot higher. No fault of those players. They simply couldn't see the future. They didn't exist. They did what they could do in their time frame, uh, and that was awesome. That was Hall of Fame stuff. But you're right; it's definitely more skilled now. I want to talk about our friends over at Blue Apron. They deliver fresh, high quality ingredients, and trust me, they make a big difference. When my wife compliments me on making pork chops and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple, don't get me wrong, I'll take all the credit, but it's really Blue Apron's simple, easy-to-follow instructions. You can customize the menu to fit your taste and schedule, and it's affordable. At less than 10 bucks per person per meal, you'll be... You'll be making savory dishes like vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. It's the equivalent of hitting a game-winning three in the defender's face every time you fire up your stove. So head over to blueapron.com slash coachnick and you'll get your first three meals free with free shipping by simply typing in that simple URL, blueapron.com slash coachnick. I'm telling you, this is a game changer. So, um, you know, we'd be remiss if we did not talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and their struggling defense. Yes. They have been bad for a while. Um, they're, what is it, since the All-Star game, they're, they're like in the bottom five in defense. It's uh-huh. really, it's a problem. Um, and, and as we saw yesterday, the Wizards are, I mean, you know, you and I, were, we were early on the Wizards bandwagon. And we were both kind of thinking about hopping off. You know, they, they had a rough stretch there. But uh, I think after the game yesterday, I'm, I'm right back on. I think that that's their toughest test in the East. And, uh, you know, it, they have the blueprint for how you beat the Cavs. I just wanted if to check. Beat, with the Cavs, was this a back-to-back for the Cavs? It was, but it was, it was also a back-to-back for the Wizards. Okay. And, and, the, and the Cavs were at home uh, with a um, – a, a short trip. They were at Charlotte uh, before, which is not, you know, that must be an hour of plane ride, maybe. Um, so that's not too bad. So, they, I mean, it definitely looked like it was like the fourth on of fifth nights or something crazy like that. And going through, I went through the first half and a little bit in the third quarter, just all the Washington Wizards scores. And I got to tell you, I man, I wrote some of the notes down. I'm going to call them up here because uh, it was it was really um, troubling. And I, it, I don't, it's again, it's that thing, can they just turn it on? But J.R. Smith 
he didn't have, had no spatial awareness, didn't know where he was supposed to be, was going under screens and kind of just loafing around. Now, again, he's rusty. Um, LeBron, distinctly not hustling. He's just not active on defense. Um, I mean, and, and then there were times when he was like the rim protector back there and Wall just like dipped the dude right by him for a layup like he wasn't there. Um, and then, you know, the, the other shocker is, you know, Kevin Love. They could, they could get a switch on a pick and roll um, with Kevin Love and that was it. He couldn't handle that at all. So uh, it's not good at all, and I don't see it getting good enough to win a title. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, of course they they probably will still win the East, right? Like let's let's be realistic. You know, they still have LeBron James, and that's basically a guaranteed trip to the finals in the East, no matter what, right? Like unless the Wizards or the Raptors or the Celtics get just super scorching hot, um, you know. And uh, we see a lot of people here in the chat that that are buying into the. Uh, they don't care about the regular season, and they'll just be able to flip the switch on defense. Um, their defense wasn't amazing last year in the playoffs. You know, they shot their way to a championship. Yeah. So you know they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do that again because their defense is probably worse this year. At least the engagement during the regular season is worse. And, and you know, I just don't know about like where do you find that defensive t- toughness? You know, can you just say from one day to the next, now we're going to be a tough-minded defensive team? Um, you know, LeBron a couple of days ago even said that. You know, it, after they uh, lost to Denver, he said, "We're just not. We don't have that toughness." Yeah, and we expect to just turn it on. And you know, it, it's it's easy for me to sit here and say, "Oh, well, they're just waiting to the playoffs." But there, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening when you go back and you look at the film. Like you and I talked about this. They're not tagging the role man. Like this doesn't take a lot of effort. Yeah. They're not tagging the role man, you know, in the pick and roll. Like the help defender's not coming over, not doing anything. They're just right. letting him go. So I mean, that is a, a complete breakdown of your entire defensive scheme. And you know, to do that for 82 games and then just like, okay, well, you know, tomorrow. We're going to do this. I mean, you right. develop bad habits. So, and, and, and also, aside from the tagging the role man on the weak side, there's no rotation either. Like, I can't tell you how many times now we see guys like get beat on the first drive, and there's they're all just standing there watching while he scores. It really is a problem. No one's moving on a string. No one is like there's no energy in that end at all. And there, and and but worse because a lot of times you can have really good energy and just not know where to go and you get scored on again. But what worse is that there's just no um, there's no purpose. They don't seem to recognize where they're supposed to be. And again, here's the other thing: is okay, so we can pretend in the, in the playoffs that they're going to have to outscore the other team, and they could do that in the East. So it's, it's not a it's not a question that they can do that now. Although the Wizards would be the one team I think that would really hurt them there. But think about it this way. There's enough teams in the East that could get into that game with them and make it very difficult. Now, I'm not even so sure that they're going to you know, lose too many of the games, but a four-game or a five-game series could turn into six games that way. And they're emotionally draining games. So if they're going to make it out of the East just trying to outscore people, then I'm not so sure they have anything left for the West anyway by the time they get to the finals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, so the, they're, they've got a couple of things kind of working in their favor in the East. Uh, the Kyle Lowry injury, the surgery on his shooting wrist, um, that helps them because it hurts Toronto, right? Like, right. it's, it's going to be difficult for Toronto for him to just come back and step up. Now, with that being said, they've actually played really well with him out. Um, DeMar DeRozan has been amazing. How that guy is dropping, you know, 40-point games without shooting a three, you know, or, <laughs> you know, like, it, it's... What he's doing is really impressive. Um, I had a conversation with someone the other day. You know, he if he just shot a couple threes a game, he probably if he shot 
right right now I think he shoots 1.7 a game. If he got that up number up to four, he would probably shoot. I think he'd go from like 26 where he's at now. Maybe he'd shoot 32. But he's probably averaging another four points a game. You know, yeah. just by taking more shots. So, you know, I'd love to see him add that in the next couple of years because. He'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, so, but what he's doing, just shooting in the mid range, is incredible. Like, uh, you know, I can hate on it all day, but he's he's putting up the numbers, right? And they're winning games. So, yeah, they they are, and 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 we're gonna do a, a video on their defense. Because speaking of which, the opposite of what the Cavs are doing, uh, the Raptors are locking teams down with the great additions they made. And I haven't had a chance to even go through a lot of the footage yet, but I'm looking forward to doing that. And again, it's actually really kind of a conundrum to try and do a defensive breakdown. It's not always like the easiest thing uh, to sort of do. And now with the Cavs, it was kind of easy because it was a lot of, quickly you can pick the patterns up. But a lot of times it's subtle and not that easy to see. And you know, there's I have to watch you know a thousand clips to kind of figure it out. So I'm hoping that with the Raptors, it's going to be a little bit clear right away that like Ibaka is just you know stopping people from getting the rim perhaps. And I don't you know, think PJ yeah. Tucker is a tough tough bulldog down there. Uh, and they have their other guys like even like Corey Joseph and who, who, who's a nuisance. So um, I'm interested to see well, how you, that works. You know, you and I, we, you know, I actually, I like this Raptors team. I just, you know, I need to see how Lowry looks when he comes back. Um, but I love, I love the Ibaka pickup. And you and I, months ago, like, I mean, probably in December, we were talking about how the Raptors need a PJ Tucker type. Yeah. And then they go and get him, right? Like, that that was a great pickup. Damari Carroll is looking like his normal self, um, so he's looking healthy. He's hitting threes again, just magically. Um, and now, now this is what they need. So they need Lowry to come back healthy, and for these guys to continue to do it when Lowry is off the court, because that's been their their kryptonite, right. right? So Lowry sits, and the offense goes to shit when he's on the bench, and so they really need to keep this momentum going. And you hope that Dwayne Casey finds a way to kind of ease him back in so that these guys can, you know, kind of keep keep doing what they're doing. Well, that's also not a given. We don't know how Casey is going to be able to manage rotations. He's never been that great at those either. But, um, you know, it's a player's play league, and they are the ones who are going to decide these games. And it's, it's going to be huge to see if Lowry can come back and be a threat uh, with that wrist injury and actually shoot. But, yeah, I mean, look at the Raptors are on a one, two, three, four, five-game winning streak, six of the last seven. Um, you know, that's as good as, as anything they do with Lowry. And all those guys are getting more experience uh, by the minute. And that's gonna, that will help them. But, again, do we know when Lowry's coming back? Was there an official word on that? I think that they're hoping in the next week. Um, oh. You know, because they, well, they wanted to get him to play, like, at least three regular season games. Um, so I would, I would imagine that he would have to come back by the start of next week. Okay. I'm kind of looking it up, too, as we speak. But, um, you know, we'll check it out because that, that would be big. If, if he got, like, you know, eight or nine games even, that would be big. If it's only like a couple, that's going to be really hard. But, um, you know, if, it, if it's more than, like, five, six, seven games, I think that would, be, that would that could kind of get him closer because that, that wrist is going to be weak. It's going to be uh, not that flexible. Um, and, you know, when you have to shoot, shoot with it and dribble with it and pass with it, uh, and if it hurts all the time, that's going to be tr- trouble. And one thing you need a healthy wrist for is shaving. And that means only one thing. 
Harry's Razors, a place to get high-quality razors to shave your face. The trial set came to my door in a cool package with shaving gel, four razors, an easy-to-hold handle, and an even cooler story about their founders, Jeff and Andy, who literally bought their own factory to make razors for two bucks a blade, half of what you'd pay when going through the hassle of driving to the drugstore, waiting for the dude to open up a special locked case, since I guess there's a black market for stolen razor blades or something, and that's if you even remember to buy them while you're getting shampoo and soap and everything else. So head over to harrys.com slash coachnick and you'll get their trial set for free. There's a small shipping fee and you'll get a truly great shave out of it and you'll always have that smooth shave and soft skin. That's harrys.com slash coachnick to have all of your shaving needs delivered right to your door and you'll have a shave as smooth as a crossover step back pull up swish. You know, uh, so some people in the chat actually brought up that Damari Carroll has not been shooting well. You know what? I was thinking about February where he shot he shot uh, 39% on three after uh, – he's been bad in March Yeah, again. So shout out to the chat group for uh, for fact-checking me there. Yeah, and shout uh, out to uh, Jake Anderson for talking about how P.J. Tucker has been elite as well. And by the way, he's a LeBron garter. He's a guy that can kind of get in there and, and make it tough, Take you know, use his fouls. And, uh, and make it tougher on LeBron where they don't have to necessarily double down or, or help out as much. So, um, you know, there, there is stuff. There is uh, reason to believe that the Raptors could, you know, get back in that challenging round when in reality they were the only team that was supposed to be able to challenge them anyway. Um, we're going to have some good series. I think we're finally going to have some Eastern Conference playoff series worthy of uh, really studying. Well, you know, and I mean, speaking of the playoffs there, right? Like, so we've got a three-way tie for fifth. With the Hawks, the Bucks, and the Pacers, the Heat are two and a half games back in eighth. Um, we've got the Cavs and Celtics in a statistical tie for first. Yeah, this right. is the tightest East race we've had in years. At the top, years. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know, I talked about this the, the other day um, with you, where I, I feel like the Hawks could drop to the eighth seed with how poorly they've been playing. But then Miami is just not putting the wins together to move up. Right. Um, and then the Bulls and Pistons don't want to win games anymore. So uh, I think that we're probably going to wind up with the Heat at eight. So and, and now that the Cavs and Celtics are tied, I don't know. If, if Personally, if I'm the Celtics and the Heat are the eighth seed, I would not want to play them. Uh, if, the, if the Heat were the eighth seed and the Cavs were the first seed? and Well, if the Celtics... Oh. Have a shot at the one seed. Okay. I, I would almost tank to the to the two seed yeah. to avoid playing Miami. Yeah, I'm well. I mean, Miami's kind of cooled off a little bit now, but you're right; they are still, you know, troubling. And by the way, I watched the end of that game too. I'd never seen. Um, they had a shot down three. The guy misses the free throw, uh, and and Whiteside grabs the ball off of the rim. And they call goaltending, and it's a four-point lead. The game's over. I'm, a, I've never seen that. B, the Heat fans are really upset. And C, it was a good call. <laughs> so um, D, all the above in a way that, um, you know, I, I always, I always uh, like it when I get to see something I've never seen before. But that's just all-time dumb. I mean, just wait until it comes off the freaking rim before you grab the rebound. I mean, that just, you know what I mean? I can't even fathom that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure that the you know the game speeds up in those type of circumstances. So I'm sure it just was one of those things where he just jumped up, and thought it thought it was off, and just snagged it. You know, I don't know day, but I've I've never had that problem. I always waited for the ball to come up before I grabbed it, <laughs> not off the rim. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, me too. Never had a like coming call against me ever. Went once. That's right. I like to let it. I like to let it uh, hit the floor before I pick it up. That's that's where I play. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, let's move on to um, Devin Booker and his. That's what points. I was going to say. Speaking of something else we've never seen before, how about a second-year guard scoring seventy points? Yes, I did a video on it. He was uh, three years younger than the next guy who uh, who had ever done that before. Uh, the B-ball reference only goes back to sixty-three, sixty-four. So obviously, it's missing the Wilt game, and I should have mentioned the Wilt game. It was dumb. Uh, I knew that it wasn't in there because of that, but still, Wilt got it in 62 or something like that, I want to say. Um, so, but yes, uh, impressive nonetheless. And it was a kind of a quiet 70. Somebody tweeted that to me earlier, and I, and I kind of like, they're right. Like, it wasn't like he was bombing. He didn't hit nine threes, which really helps to get there. And, um, you know, it, it, and it was sort of, he didn't start until a little bit later in the game, start scoring. So um, it was an interesting 70, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's, it's controversial, right? You know, they're they're a tanking team. Uh, they, you know, they got they lost, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they did a few things toward the end, calling timeouts to extend the game, fouling to get more possessions, things like that. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of a weird seventy. Um, do I have a lot of problem with trying to get a, a you know? A cornerstone piece, a, you know, a kid on your team that you believe in, that, that you really are looking to build around, getting him a milestone like the round number of 70. Do I have a problem with that? No, not at all. I, I like it. Uh, I think it I think it speaks quite a bit to how his teammates feel about him, you know, because if they didn't like him, they wouldn't do it. Uh, the coaching staff, they must really like the guy because, I, you know, I, I don't know many kids I would do that for, you know, like right. – uh, um, so they must really like him. And of course, then the organization must also really value the guy. So, um, I don't really care. You know, like it was a, it was a meaningless game for the, for the Suns. uh, for, for Boston, it meant a little bit more as they're now tied for the, the one seed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that it, it, for numerous reasons, it was kind of a strange 70. Yeah, absolutely. And um, all right. And so we talked about, you know, them following to get a couple extra possessions. So they did it. They did it twice. And I think the biggest point about that was that when we've seen the other three 70 point games or more, um, you know what? They didn't do it with Kobe, but they did. I don't think they followed to get him more possessions, but they, they did do it for um, David Thompson and for David Robinson. So um, and that was because that was the last day of the season for both those guys trying to get the scoring title. So, you know, the precedent has been set. They've done that. It was only twice. And I know it's more than, you know, once is enough to kind of get upset about. But uh, it was only twice. And, uh, you know, the Celtics had their chance. They could have they could have played him better. And they just kept following him, too. Uh, he was good. He was very cagey with his shot faking, drawing fouls that way. Um, and, you know, but at the end, I think in protest, they put Isaiah on him. I don't know if you noticed that. But, uh, and Isaiah ended up following him and giving him three free throws. It's almost like they're saying, all right, F it. You're going to you take the fouls to get the ball back. Then we'll ju- we will just ob- oblige, ob- uh, oblige you and let him have the free throws. It's kind of strange. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then are we going to talk about the Instagram controversy? Sure. Uh, let, and you know what? Let's go to the, the picture. So we'll show the picture here. Uh, as you can see uh, in the locker room, they, they reenacted the Wilt uh, shot of the 100 or whatever. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? I, I think it's fun, man. You know, like, again, it's a, it's a young team. Uh, you know, they were, they were younger than the any or than seven out of the eight teams playing in the Sweet 16 
you know, the average age <laughs> really? of, of, yeah, it, it's crazy, right? It's a young team. Let them have some fun, right? Like basketball is supposed to be fun. Let's not all get our, you know, underwear in a bunch over guys having a good time. Uh, you know, Jay Crowder took exception to the picture, but because they, you know, they were smiling, I get it. You know, like you don't want to be happy after losing a game unless you're tanking, right? Like, I, I just I think that this the the players have to know that they're tanking, um, and, and so just let the guy be happy. I, you know we're getting a lot of they lost the game in the chat. Yes, they lost the game, but it's it's still it's fun. Okay, like it's it's not that big a deal. They're not making the playoffs. They they don't need to live and die with every loss. Well, someone explain to me out there who's listening right now what why this meme of the Kermit was going on out there because it's like is Devin Booker's nickname Kermit or does he look like Kermit the Frog? Why is he on fire and they like burning him? Uh, I know it's something about Jay Crowder, you know, saying that oh you guys I've never seen people cheer a loss or whatever it was, uh, and I think Booker responded right. Did I miss that? Did you say that he responded? Um, so he said he couldn't guard him. Oh, right. You couldn't guard him. So how does Kermit become a part, a part of that? I just don't get it. Because, listen, I love Kermit. Kermit shouldn't be a part of, like, you know, any kind of animosity with anybody. He should be, you know, uh, uh, you know, it should be something that they're celebrating. It should be something nice. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Which kind of yeah. reminds me of, uh, you know, the Bert is evil. You ever see that thing, that meme? No. You know Ernie and Bert, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so some guy used to put Bert in like the background of like these, you know, of like a Hitler picture or something like in the in the in the uh, in the crowd or that kind of thing, right? Bert is evil, and then at some point Osama bin Laden or somebody was having a big rally in like yeah, Afghanistan, wherever they were, and somebody had taken a picture and they used the Bert is evil picture with him in it. Like they didn't realize they must have taken it from the internet or something. It was hilarious. Um, although, granted, the terrorists are not hilarious, but that was hilarious to see that they got duped. But I guess we're too old. There's something about frogs and maybe being salty <laughs> i don't know yeah, what does I, it mean i don't know i mean i i know that i know the sipping tea none of my business you know um oh that's I what that means the, is a frog in a picture of a tea means none of my business yeah so that's none of my business you know how you would go well that's none of my business and then take a dramatic sip of whatever beverage that you have in your hand yeah um so i don't know what the other one is uh <laughs> but uh yeah, so should we take some questions? Yeah, let's take or, some or questions do you want, now wait. because this is that time well, of the show. Well, actually, you know, quickly, I think that we should talk about the Kentucky-UCLA game only because there were so many guys that are going to play in the NBA in that game. Yeah, only if we can talk about Wisconsin and Florida for a minute then, too. You can help me. You can console me. Uh, I'd have to watch the game. You didn't even see the end? I, I saw that uh, some kid from Wisconsin hit a three to send it to overtime, but that was it. I, like, I just don't oh. – college basketball – look, man, college – you and I have talked about this quite a bit, and and, and a lot of people are going to get on to me about this, I'm sure. But uh, I just don't care about college basketball. It, it bugs me that these guys don't get paid. It bugs me that the coaches – um, kind of are egomaniacal and overcoach. You know, I, we, you and I have talked already about a lot of the overcoaching that we've seen, needless timeouts. Um, it just isn't fun. The rules are not are not great. Like the game has no flow. 
Uh, it's kind of dumb. They don't have an advance the ball like under two minutes when you call a timeout. Um, you know, I've already got I've got people wanting to boycott me now. You know, uh, sorry guys, but I'm just speaking the truth. Um, <laughs> they, well, I'm going to interrupt you for a second though because uh, the Pandora's box of paying the players is not uh, a viable solution, and I, mainly because, as far as I can tell, with the rules, if you pay football and basketball players, I think that kicks in where you have to pay every other athlete on the campus. And I know for a fact that many, many, many of the D1 schools could, would not be able to afford that at all. And that's sure. not fair either. Because also, it's not just the men. It's the women. Title IX would kick in, and you'd have to pay them as well. Uh, and then I remember, like, Jay Billis wanted to say, oh, you should negotiate with all these high school seniors. Like, the contract, how much you're going to pay each one, open market BS. Well, then you got to pay an entire law firm to work in-house at every D1 university. That's going to bankrupt them. But I do have a big problem with their likeness on T-shirts and merchandise and on the games, on the video games. That is where, for some reason, I feel like that's where you should draw the line, the very least. And those players that are there, they're in their face should definitely get compensated somehow. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, um, the fact that kids can't make money on their own likeness, you know, like remember uh, Terrell Pryor when he was at Ohio State, right? And he signed an autograph in exchange for a tattoo. He autographed a jersey. Now, the jersey was his jersey that Ohio State sold gladly and took the money from the guy, you know, at the tattoo parlor. And Terrell Pryor got none of that money. And so now it's his signature. It's his name. You know, he can't write it. He cannot write his own name and benefit from it because he's an NCAA athlete. Yeah, that is complete horseshit. No, absolutely. That's so dumb. I mean, and then there was the thing. Look, we all know LeVar Ball. Uh, he's got some lofty goals. Right. And and I'm sure if I had a kid, I would I would maybe I wouldn't be quite so boisterous about it. Uh, but I would I would probably feel the same way if I had a son that was playing basketball and he was five. I'd probably be like, yeah, you know what? He's better than Steph Curry. Um, we all like to think that we wouldn't, but I, I think there's a chance I would, right? So I'm not faulting him for that. Right. But his big baller brand, which everyone's had a good time making fun of, actually was an issue with the NCAA. Like they had to go through a thing with the NCAA to make sure that – uh, Levar, uh, that Lonzo's likeness wasn't being used to sell his oh, family's really? brand. Yeah, think about it. Like, it, what if, like, what if I own like a family grocery store and my son was going to play Division One college basketball? It couldn't work for me. It's illegal. It's against the NCAA rules. So right. this is where it drives me crazy. You know, we've got someone. Someone just pointed out that the D League makes some sense. Look, I, I I'm a huge fan of these guys who are going to go one and done. I think they ought to try to go to the D League. They should go to Europe, yeah. or they should just work with a trainer for a year and, and just improve their game, work on things that actually translate to the NBA. Right. You're Rather available, than, right, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's work <laughs> on that jump shot, fellas. Yeah. Um, Let, well, let's so, run through some more questions. We have a lot yeah, of them. Everyone's in there. Some of them are really, really good. So I yeah, grabbed a few uh, while you look at some. I'll grab a few here. So right. uh, let's see. A. Mantravati asks, is Malik Monk going to eventually score this effortlessly in the NBA? Uh, I'll answer really quickly. As going through all the Aaron, the Aaron Fox footage, I would kind of see Malik Monk as well in the background. I haven't studied him specifically yet. But um, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I feel like Fox has more of an upside than Monk. Um, and I, I'm just not sold on the way. I, I don't know. I mean, I know he's clutch and he hit some really clutch threes today. But um, I, I, I don't know. I need to take a much deeper dive. Right now, I would say uh, I'm kind of iffy on that. 
You know, so I, I've I've been very outspoken. I really love Malik Monk's game. Um, I, to, tonight was actually a prime example, right? Like he hit two huge shots, just huge, and the guy can shoot from anywhere. And I think that that like being able to shoot translates, right? Like right. some of the other things don't, but shooting and defense translates to the NBA. And so that's where I, I kind of side on with Malik Monk. That being said, De'Aaron Fox is just such an incredible athlete that if if his jump shot starts falling, I mean, we saw him hit, um, you know, an off the catch three tonight in the corner. If he can just do that, well, then that guy's, a, you know, he's a starter for 10 to 12 years and, and potentially high level because he's such a great athlete. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to another question because um, the Lonzo hype is out of control. How many years until he can seriously contribute to a winning team? Three years? That's by BJ Meta. Um, I mean, the hype probably is a little bit out of control. Certainly the father has done that. Um, I heard that he actually had a groin injury. I don't know if you heard that at all. Did you? I did, yeah. I heard that after. We saw at the end of the game he was kind of walking with a little bit of a limp. Yeah. And, you know, a groin injury. It, it could be something that he's had for a while and re-aggravated. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's tough It's tough to, to play with, with a groin injury. You know, it, it's it, difficult. It certainly is. The funny thing was, and he was also deferring early. Like, they, they would outlet it to him in the backboard. He'd just instantly pass right up to somebody else. Whereas, normally, you'd see him bring the ball up and, and, and you know, initiate the offense. So, that let me think that something was up. Uh, and I did see him run some pick and roll, though. And that's the big problem that he's going to have in the pros is that he, they simply don't run much pick and roll. Unless he goes to the Warriors, which ain't going to happen, um, he's going to need to be able to run that. And I don't know about you, but I have, we just have no idea if he can do it or not. Well, and his inability to create off the dribble, you know, like he can't like in the NBA, everyone's going to push him to his right hand. And we've seen the tape, you know, like this is not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw college teams even toward the end of the season starting to do it. You push him right. He cannot shoot off the dribble going right. He can't. There's this weird hitch in his shot where he has to come across his body and and he just cannot do it. So, um I, you know, I don't know. He's going to have to run pick and roll, but I think that the intangibles with him, his playmaking ability elsewhere, um, I think that that matters. I think, look, if he's in the right situation, I think he's rookie of the year next year because he's out of these guys. He, I mean, look at how great he was this year, right? Yeah. So he's the most ready for the next level, I think. Uh, yeah. Him and Fultz, yeah. right? Like those two to me stand out over everyone. Um, but I think that his ceiling is lower than a guy like, De'Aaron Fox like not that De'Aaron Fox is is better um yeah Josh Jackson is another guy I think he's got a just such a high ceiling whereas I think Lonzo because of the limitations you know the the self-imposed almost limitations of his game because of that his inability to to even run a pick and roll I I think that that's a big that's a hurdle he's gonna have to get past well, here, by the way, here's a little brief uh, insight into what the breakdown is going to be for Darren Fox. Like, I like the way he moves, and what I had seen initially on defense led me to think, oh, he's a good defender. Well, guess what? He really isn't. He, his footwork is not good at all, and it's so he's very inefficient. And it's going to take someone a little time to, t- to teach him how to properly move his feet so he can close the gaps better. But uh, I was kind of surprised. But that said, he's got all the tools that you can't teach uh, in a way that if he can get in a good situation and understand angles better and, and ball awareness better, which 
I don't know, he's still really young. If that's the case, then he can then be a fantastic defender because uh, he's even more athletic than like than than Ball is, even though he lacks the the, the length. The other thing that was weird was I was trying to see if he had long arms. It looks like he's got long arms, right? When you say that De'Aaron Fox has got long arms, yeah, it does. But we, you know, we'll find out. We'll get the measurements here soon. Well, well, um, the measurements that are online on Draft Express. He, oh, they his are. arms have shrunk. So for two years ago, we had a six-seven wingspan, and now he's got like a six-four and a half or something crazy like that. I don't understand how or why or what, but yeah, we're gonna have to wait until the combine to find out what the heck's going on because uh, it was very confusing. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, um, my buddy Mike Weisenberg likes to point out all the time, you know, when he's when he's doing all this draft stuff that you know you, you'll see height and wingspan like. And weight. He's like, these three measurables that you would think it would be very easy to get, he's like, they vary so much. Because, you know, the agent is going to go is gonna go longer arms and taller and all this stuff. Yeah, right. You know, if they get to P3, they're going to give you an accurate assessment. Um, and that's really like, you just got to figure out what's, what's the source for these measurements. Um, the NBA's measurements are usually pretty good. Um, but the ones that are provided by the, by the agents and, and the schools are not good. <laughs> Well, we have a, a couple more questions to take, I think, as we All get right. closer to wrapping this up. But we have uh, uh, Dan Devluna asks, why are so many players more inclined to play at point guard rather than two guard? Well, you, I mean, traditionally, you're going to have the ball in your hands more. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that, that I mean, you're it, does he mean in college or does he mean in the pros? Um, I, I would just say that if you can create off the dribble, you want the ball in your hands as much as possible. Um, but I wouldn't call KD a point guard, but he loves to have the ball in his hands, you know? So it, it I think that players that can create really want to have the ball in their hands. Um, someone in the chat has brought up AAU. I think that's a great point. Um, AAU is, is plays a large role in this, right? Like these guys are, I mean, so much of what they do, like the, the dribbling drills are out of control. You know, I mean, just guys are doing things in dribbling drills that have no, use on a basketball court <laughs> whatsoever you're better off like some of these things you're better off in the circus than you are on a basketball court yeah um and this is why you know the euro guys so like you look at Saric, right and look at his passing ability and how next level it is you know um ben simmons you know who, who's done a lot of overseas stuff uh, academies and stuff in uh, australia and stuff like this next level passers are just amazing right because they've learned to pass not just to handle the ball yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I tweeted out a vine uh, or a, a vine or something of a kid in high school who bounced the ball off, off his defender's head, off his forehead, and, uh, and then got back and then, then blew right by him for a layup. And, you know, that's another one of those interesting things where I think in certain AAU situations, it's a technical foul. They, they won't let you do that because that would start a fight. And I don't know about you, Dave, but if, if, the, if a guy did that to me, um, and I didn't get it. And, I, you know, and by the way, it's really hard. Like your hands are supposed to be where they are down here. And if they right. quickly get it off your forehead, you're not going to really, you know, it might, they might be successful. I, I, he would be on the ground before he got anywhere near the basket on that first oh, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would probably get kicked out of the game because, I mean, it's just how is that a basketball play? Right. Like that's that's what I go back to on anything. Like, um, you know, I, I, I don't mind a hard foul if you're trying to actually get the ball or if you're, you know, if it's a safe hard foul where you're trying to make sure the guy doesn't get the shot off, right? Like, cause that is a basketball play, right? To prevent the shot from going up. Um, but when, when I see, I've seen players that I've coached, you know, they drop a shoulder on a guy going up for a layup. Well, no, I mean, that's not a basketball play. You're done. 
Um, you, you know, throw, throwing the ball off someone's face on purpose is not – that's not playing basketball. I just don't – I don't get that. Yeah, I hear you. Now, I, another guy did uh, – that I tweeted out did a Michael Jackson – move while dribbling the ball like some sort of a moonwalk i think it was whatever and he got teed up in the middle of that and um i actually thought that that was wrong because it was i don't know something about the way he did it wasn't like bouncing the ball off a guy's face whatever he was on top there was not a lot of pressure on him and he just did he just did it and um in the joy of them i don't know what exactly it was about but he teed him up and maybe they warned everybody not to do something like that but there was an example i got to try and find that maybe you guys out there have seen that was uh it, it was actually i i thought that was wrong for the referee to tee him up in that situation yeah i mean look i i actually you know i like celebrations i like fun stuff right like i i think that as long as you're not doing anything hurtful to someone else like physically i think it, right. it's all it's all fair and and good right um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know why they would call. I haven't watched the video, but now I'll have to, uh, yeah, have to it's look hilarious. It up. And, and, but, and by the way, the other thing is that there's a certain skill level involved cause it was a good moonwalk. Like he had, obviously he's a good dancer. So like, yeah. you know, that's the other thing is, uh, you know, you don't want to stifle that kind of creativity when you can do that kind of stuff, uh, and, and combine it. But either way, uh, any other we questions got, we can wrap I've up? I've got, with? I've got a really good question here and you and I are on the same page on this. Uh, uh, Dan Devluna asks another great question. He says, what happened to the triple threat? Oh, okay. Um, we could talk about that all day, but you yeah. have to take well, that. Yeah. Uh, like there's still some people that do it. It needs to go away. Right. Like you, you need to be able to attack off the catch. You need to be able to pass off the catch. You need to be able to shoot off the catch. Yeah. Triple threat just allows the defense to catch up. That's Plain and simple. That's what I've been saying. And I tortured kids for years and years. I can't, I'll still never forget. I took it from Wisconsin. I was a basketball manager there. As Stu Jackson was the head coach. Stan Van Gundy, assistant. Sean Miller, the other assistant. And they would have you know two hours a week uh, in one-hour blocks, individual instruction. And they did all the two-ball drills and all that kind of stuff, which is great. But one of them was split foot, rip through in a triple threat, pause, and then shoot the three. The heart, it's like you're just making it so hard. You never really ever want to do that. You're just not open. And I, and I, would, I brought that into myself, and I was teaching all these kids to do it. And, um, and it, it just was hard. They couldn't ever get it. Like the one guy that kind of, well, I don't even want to name drop, but one kid I did coach in high school and made it to the NBA, it was the one guy who kind of could do it. And, and the irony was he never was even that great of a shooter. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, there's, no, yeah, there's no reason. The only, the, the, you're, you're never more open than on the catch. That should yep. be the biggest mantra you have. And because of that, um, you can now neutralize a little bit. If you're a, a less athletic team or a less talented team or if you have more skill, you can neutralize a lot of that issue by attacking on the catch, forcing closeouts, forcing help one pass away, learning to shoot better. Uh, you can stay in those games. You can actually beat those good teams. Uh, and you ain't going to do it with triple threat. Well, so the way I instruct it to my team, right, is that, you know, the, the ball can move faster than a, than a opposing player, right? So if you're making good passes, you're getting fractions of, of a second, right? Like you're, you're gaining space yeah. with each pass, ideally. And so if you catch and then you stop, all you do is allow the defense to just get back to where they're supposed to be. And now you've got to do everything all over again. It completely destroys it. Like, what's the point of doing anything if you're just going to stop and let the defense catch up? 
Absolutely. Well, yeah. listen, we're going to have to wrap this up now. We're getting a little bit late, but I do want to point out there's a great question by uh, Sin City about Calipari and if he, should he be fired winning only one title in eight years. Uh, and I'll get to you on, on Twitter or somewhere else or maybe the next show because it's definitely worthy of talking for a long time about that. That's an interesting question. So, uh, But we'll get to that later. Uh, but thanks, everyone, on Periscope for joining us. Can't wait to release this uh, live uh, on, on, U- on iTunes tomorrow with everybody and then all that stuff for the commute the, on the Monday morning. Um, and, Dave, any last words you want to wrap up with? No, I mean, you know what? Uh, just thanks to, to the folks watching on Periscope. This was actually fantastic. We, um, You know, this is something we kind of just started doing recently, and um, it, I think it's really improved the quality of the show. And uh, we love getting the questions in real time and to be able to talk about things that have happened. So um, feel free to hit us up on Twitter throughout the week. And we, we try to keep these questions, you know, in a little – I have a little notes folder um, for the questions that we get during the week. And, uh, you know, try to keep it – you know, kind of try to keep those questions coming so that when things pop up – something might pop up on Tuesday and you don't remember it on Saturday. You know, so we try to grab them. So if you guys have questions – Throw them to us um, at all times. Absolutely. Well, again, this is what really was a truly great show. Glad to be here with you and everybody else out there live. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win. You win, Dave? Every night. <laughs> <laughs>